So, are you DTFF? Drinking and talking fantasy football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. And welcome back to the podcast, folks. Uh, in case you missed the intro there, we are the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we've got a great show this evening, continuing our divisional breakdown series, uh, talking AFC West tonight. Uh, jam-packed, lots of stuff, so let's just get right into it. Uh First, I will introduce my host with the most, Jake Trowbridge. Jake, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm good. I do have the most. My brim is almost filled in my cup, so I I think that qualifies me for the most, and I'm ready to do this thing. I'm ready to do this. All right. Excellent. Yeah, and we've got two guests joining us this evening. Uh, We've got Linda G., at Lindellians on Twitter, uh, joining us in the Homer's Corner for the Broncos. Linda, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be back. I think last time I came on, we aired grievances, and so it was a pretty <laughs> negative episode. I'm looking to like turn that around and bring some positivity. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of that this evening. <laughs> and then our other guest this evening is Sal Lido, at Sal Lido FF on Twitter, uh, in the Homer's Corner with the Raiders this evening. Sal, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and I cannot vouch for the non-negativity. I'm usually generally pretty <laughs> negative about the Raiders, and I have this – we all have this thing about our teams, right? We can say whatever we want about them, but you better not say anything bad about them. And so since we have a Bronco – fan here tonight going head to head with me we'll probably be saying bad things about each other's teams and not liking it. yeah we're gonna test that theory we're gonna test it a lot tonight i think <laughs> yeah so before we get into it here uh we all know well it's tuesday depending on when you're listening to this and the nfl draft is coming up here in a couple days so uh why don't each of you just take a quick minute and tell us what you're hoping for here uh with the draft on thursday linda why don't you start us off I'm always hoping for a little bit of chaos. Uh, anything that ignites the Twitter sphere that makes it like a more enjoyable space when it's just everybody's going banana bonkers, that's my favorite. So I'm looking like I want my team to, uh, you know, do what I want them to do, which we'll get into. But beyond that, I'm, I'm just looking for chaos. Well, you'll have to wait a while because I'm sure uh, when the Packers pick at 30, they're going to draft another quarterback and, and nice. chaos will go there. So uh, you'll have to wait a while. Uh, Sal, how about you? <laughs> I'm looking to not be disappointed. I feel like year after year, the Raiders leave me disappointed. And especially with this regime that's in there now, because whoever is projected to go in those spots, you're like, oh, my God, they fell there. And then they don't take them. So I'm looking to not be disappointed. But I'm also looking to enjoy the draft. I've done the um, the shot cast with Scott Fish and the Bull Rush guys for, like, I think the last five years. And those guys are going to meet up in St. Louis with Scott and Ryan this year and not do the show. So I've been asked by many, at least four shows, to come on. I think I'm going to watch the NFL draft this year and just mellow out and watch everybody else freak out. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, Jake, what about you? You know Dustin, you know what I need and want out of this draft. I just want one time, one time to look back on this draft and be like, man, we did it. <laughs> we we crushed it. The Packers, we did the right thing. We didn't do the dumbass thing. And I just want to feel good about it in the moment. Not like four years later. In that moment, I want to feel good about it for once. Which would entail what for you? I don't know, man. Just don't draft stupid <laughs> players. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So... Uh, before we get into the heart of our episode here, uh, we do have a couple things here that we like to get out of the way first. So first thing is we do our beer review, but let's start with our guests this week. We'll, we'll hold off on our, our beer. Um, and guests, are, are you enjoying a beverage this evening? Do you have to ask? Is that like a... <laughs> but actually, my gas station's out of my big Trulies, which I usually get like one big truly to like really kickstart me, and then I can switch to little baby Trulies. So instead, I got a Smirnoff Ice uh, because I, I needed something big to be on the DTFF. So it's peach and mango. Tastes like um, sugar. 
<laughs> I like that you went size over substance for your beverage here. Like, so what's the largest thing I can have in my hand while I'm on? Honestly, I appreciate that. Uh, how about you, Sal? I am on a support local brewery kick. So this is a new brew that opened in my town less than two months ago, Sand City South, here on Long Island in Lindenhurst, Long Island. And this is Three Little Birds. It's uh, it's an IPA. It's got 10.2% alcohol Woo! in this sucker. It's uh, it's jam-packed. And uh, thank God they only sell them in four packs because I don't think I'd make it through a six. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, we are uh, – our beer this week is out by your way, Sal. It's uh, out of Brooklyn, New York. And this is called Iceberg Zombie Apocalypse. It's a fruited sour uh, coming in at 6%. Made with blackberries, strawberries, cherries, lemon, vanilla. I'm surprised. Can we talk about how thick this looks? I know for the listeners at home, you're not going to be able to get a really good picture, but like this is named zombie for a very specific reason. This is as blood-ish as I've ever had a beer look when mm -hmm. pouring it. That's a great color, man. I love the color. It's vivid. You guys should be mm -hmm. watching this show every week. If you're just listening, we get it, and I'm sure these guys appreciate it, but you need to tune in and see. I mean, he's beers are great. Mm -hmm. Sal, I love your promotion uh, mid-podcast. I I think you should listen to him for what it's worth, listener. I think he <laughs> makes a very valid point. Yeah, absolutely. This is a tasty beer. I'm not big on the sour train, uh, but this one just sounded too good to pass up. So uh, I'm very pleased with this. I was surprised you went the sour route because you're not that, that, but mm -hmm. you're, you're transitioning. You're, you're getting, you're yes. getting there. Yes. I'm transitioning right now. Um, moving more to the sour. So yeah, this is a good one. I'm, It'll, it'll help me transition even more. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, with that bit out of the way, I mean, not mm -hmm. out of the way, because it will be happening throughout the podcast, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to dive right in, not waste a lot of time up front, because we've got a lot to talk about. But we can't not have an episode without our... Drunk, 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 of the week. Yep, hit us, Jake. This one's very special this week. I want you guys to know this, and I'm going to give you more context after the fact, but this is a mystery submission. It is a 14-team Superflex Dynasty. That's as much information as you have to work with here. Now, this person sent away Ezekiel Elliott and Brandon Ayuk, and they received the 2021-105, a 2022 first-round pick, a 2023 first round pick, Gus the Bus Edwards and Quintez Cephas. With only that context to work with here, I'm interested in our guests' response. What do you think of this drunk trade this week? Linda, I'll let you go first. Oh, good. Trading's my expertise. Everybody on Twitter knows that. Um, but I think Ayuk and Zeke are probably worth more than three separate first years. Like, if it were a couple first-round picks this year, it might be a different conversation. But I think Ayuk ends up that uh, wide receiver one in San, or, yeah, in San Francisco. And I think Ezekiel Elliott is going to surprise people this year. I like it. Sal, sir, what do you think? Yeah, I can't argue with uh, Linda's take on this, right? I mean, it, as the years go further into the distance, those picks have less value. Of course, they could turn out to be wonderful picks going forward. But right now, the value of those picks is, is not equal to the 2021. And a 105 in this draft in a super flex, you've now missed out on really the best couple of quarterbacks, most likely Najee Harris at the end, or one of those amazing wide receivers. You know, the top five, it is, there are a lot of great guys coming out, but Gus Edwards, does he have a home car? Is he still with the Ravens? He um, is with the Ravens currently. I expect J.K. Dobbins to take a real dog role there this year. And for Gus to step back, he'll maybe be a goal line guy, but he's not going to be a guy you're comfortable starting every week. I mean, it's a 14-teamer. And Quintez, I love Quintez. I got Quintez almost everywhere I could get him. But at best, he's a wide receiver, too, if he really hits. He's not going to be a flat-out stud. So, yeah, I take Zeke, who should bounce back in an offense full of monsters, and, and Ayuk, who just is scratching the surface as the way he can be. Now, Dustin, mm -hmm. I think you know the additional context behind this trade because the person who submitted this trade sent this to you via text this weekend that this just went down. I'll play spoiler here. This is my drunk trade. I was drunk off my ass when I made this one in my 14 <laughs> league. I sent away Zeke and Ayuk 
my thought process was just uh, we here are big Debo Samuel fans. We're we're believing that there will be not a huge gap between the two players this year, uh, mostly due to the ambiguity of the the San Francisco backfield and how Debo Debo can be utilized a little bit more there. But really, I just uh, around this time of year, it's hard. Hard for me to avoid picks. I just want more picks. It's just so fun to have them. And I, I fell a little victim to that, I think. But uh, yeah, I posted in the league chat right after this. I was like, well, I feel bad about this already, which probably means it's not a great trade. But, you know, even yours truly makes terrible trades sometimes. Dustin, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with all of you here. Uh, I mean, I, I don't quite hate it as much as everyone else. Um, I don't mind getting out on, on Zeke here. Um, while granted, I think he's going to have a bit of a rebound year, uh, but he is, you know, quote unquote, hitting that age cliff. He's in his second contract. So wheels can fall off at any time for him. Uh, so I don't mind getting out on him and Ayuk. while he did flash, um, as Jake said, um, we're more of Debo stands on this podcast. Um, so I don't hate it. Um, yeah, you probably could have got a little bit more, uh, squeeze, squeeze the lemon a little bit on that, but I don't hate it, but. Yeah, it's it's not the worst like, one we've seen on the show. I like that phrase, squeeze the lemon a little bit more. I'm going to use that in daily conversation more. <laughs> this is also where I'm going to ask our listeners, please send us more drunk trade submissions. I felt like I had to do this for the show because we ran out of options here. So send in more. Please uh, save me for myself going forward. Uh, now, Dustin, before we kick off into the meats, I do just want to say that this episode of Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football, it's brought to you by Monkey Knife Fight. So, yes, the NFL season is over, but we are almost nearing the draft, as we've been talking about, which means real NFL action is right around the corner, practically. But you can play other sports at Monkey Knife Fight. You can play, like, Hialai, probably, over at Monkey Knife Fight. I'm sure that they have golf and baseball and all those other sports that I don't watch. But if you do and you want to go ahead and get in some action, you can do that. Go to monkeyknifefight.com, use promo code DTFF, and they will match your initial deposit up to $50. What is not to like? Please go to monkeyknifefight.com. All right. Thank you, Jake. All right. So here we go into this breakdown. So we had Kansas City finish first in the division at 12 and 4. The Raiders finished second <laughs> at a solid 8 and 8. We had the Chargers finish third at 7 and 9 and the Broncos rounding out the bottom of the division at 5 and 11. Uh so let's start with the Raiders here and Sal, this is your opportunity to uh uh just really lean into your homerism um, for your team. So um we have a little bit of notable additions slash losses here, uh, either via free agency trades, etc. We use notable loosely here on this podcast because maybe not all these players are really super impactful. But uh, looks like you guys lost uh, Devonta Booker, Nelson Aguilar and Tyrell Williams. Uh, but you brought in Kenyon Drake, John Brown, Theo Riddick. Uh, I didn't realize he was still in the league and Willie Sneed. So why don't we start off with how do you feel about uh, the offseason moves here for your Raiders? Yeah, I think Theo Riddick falls under the least notable category <laughs> of the group of gentlemen. That So I, I feel nothing towards him. Um, listen, Devontae Booker had a couple of nice little spots last year, right? But um, I was kind of happy he was going to be going because maybe they would throw Jacobs the ball a little bit like they claimed they were going to. But nah, let's bring in Kenyon Drake. So, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, I don't love what they did here. But as a fan, listen, I like bringing Kenyon Drake in. I, I like uh, bringing John Brown in for depth. I, I really want to see Ruggs get the opportunity to play the role that they drafted him for. That's why it killed me when Aguilar just – I liked that he panned out. But – you know, he moved on, and great for Nelson Aguilar. Um, the Patriots severely overpaid for him, so that great. Take him. Um, John Brown's never fully healthy the whole year. He's a, he's a nice little player when he is healthy. So uh, Terrell Williams, you know, he was never really healthy while he was here the whole time. We'll see what he could do with Detroit this year. So from the offensive additions for the fantasy additions, I don't love it because it's going to crowd that a little bit more. I was kind of getting down on Jacobs at the end of last year anyway. Um, aside from the fact that they don't ever throw the ball to him, he's constantly on the sidelines getting his legs worked on, right? I mean, how many times do you watch a Raider game, you're like, where, where is he? We're inside the 10. 
He's on the sideline getting a leg rubbed out, right? And one of the backups is in there. Theo Riddick will probably have more rushing touchdowns this year. And the guy doesn't really want to catch the ball. But, you know, these are my Raiders. So I'm happy as a Raider fan. And maybe we can not start like a first half of the season out five and three and finish eight and eight like we do almost every year. Like we, I thought John Gruden was going to have to change the culture. It's the same culture. Knock on wood. Um, so, yeah, I mean, not great from a fantasy standpoint. Always like Willie Sneed, though. Mm-hmm. He's fun. This is the first time I've ever heard anybody say that out loud. So I appreciate you saying that on our podcast. Willie Sneed feels like the forgotten man in every single offense that he's ever been in. I mean, I don't have anything against Willie Sneed. And I do hope that they they sort out the wide receiving core uh, and make it a little bit more transparent than it was last year for our fantasy purposes. Yeah, let, uh, let Ruggs and Edwards play, man. You drafted these guys. You use high draft picks. Give them the opportunity this year. And, again, they were rookies last year. Ruggs should have come in, but he was banged up at the beginning of the year and just never seemed to get on track. He had one or two big plays, if we remember the Jets. The Jets game, and the Jets decided not to cover him downfield um, when there was no time left in the game and managed to lose. We thought they were tanking for Trevor, but they couldn't even do that right. Um, <laughs> my son's a Jet fan, so if he tunes in. <laughs> um, yeah, so I-, I like to see those two guys get a legit opportunity to play this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that kind of leads into a question here. So what are your thoughts on Derek Carr, and is he a viable fantasy quarterback this year? Derek Carr is – Linda was so upset about that question, she left. Um, <laughs> yeah, Derek Carr, I would be insulted to. Derek Carr is what he is, right? He's never going to uh, win you a fantasy championship. He's not going to lose you a fantasy championship, right? He's, he's like – he's a game manager, even in fantasy football somehow, right? Scott Fish switched the rules last year in, SF, in the SFB to um, quarterbacks who complete high percentages and over interception, and he became extremely valuable. So if you're playing in that format, yeah, he's real valuable, but – no, he's, you know, in, in a in a super flex, he's your number two and you're comfortable with that. He's never your starting quarterback in anything or you've done something drastically wrong. Um, and I'll be honest with you, the one game that he pulled his groin and Mariota came in, I absolutely loved what the offense looked like. And I wish they would have figured out a way to keep him on the bench a week or two longer so we could have seen what Mariota can do. I think that Mariota has – what you need in today's NFL. And it's that being able to pull the ball down and run like a, like a running back. Carr can do a couple of things. He sticks the ball out and just gets in the, the pylon. You know, that's cute. But Mariota's a legitimate uh, force on the ground. And he, he's not – I don't think he's done in this league. He's still a young man. He's a number two overall player the year that he came out. And I'd like to see open competition this year. So I like that. That's music to my ears. Dustin and I had a beer bet last year that I lost terribly because I thought that Mariota would get an opportunity later in the season at some point to come in, and it just never happened besides that one game, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I-, I thought it looked great. I'm actually happy that they re-signed him, uh, but I was secretly also kind of wishing he'd go get a starting job somewhere, Mar- Mariota, just to get that splurge of fantasy because I have rostered him everywhere. And now it's just a me personal too. slight to me. Well, I actually think I own both of them in almost every Superflex dynasty that I'm in. So that, that should be fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Linda, do you have any desire? I do want to just ask, Linda, do you have any desire to roster Derek Carr? Because I do, and and he does. But I don't know if you do. Uh, not anymore, but I do. I will always have love for Derek Carr because when I first started playing fantasy in like the first couple of years, it was I wasn't really watching the NFL very much. I was pretty winging it because my dad needed an extra person. Uh, so when I really got into it that first year, Derek Carr was it was that year. Derek Carr broke the shit out of his leg. Uh, but he was my quarterback all season and it was the first year I made it to playoffs. So I will always have a so- soft spot for him. But I don't. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so if I if uh, you had to choose one of those two young wide receivers on the team that is going to have a better fantasy season, who's it going to be? For the Raiders? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, we're, I, we're I, still talking Raiders here. <laughs> yeah, most people try to move on quickly, so I didn't realize. Um, it's it's got to be Ruggs. I think they have to make him a focal point. I mean, not, Darren Waller is the focal point of the offense. He'd be stupid to do anything different. But uh, Ruggs has got to take on a, a bigger role this year. So I hope that they just wing it down the field to him. Let, it, let him. let him do what he does best. Run really fast and catch the football. 
Um, so I, I would take rugs. What about you, Linda? I wholeheartedly agree. And rugs is like super discounted right now after last year, like way low in startups for a guy that was supposed to be one of the best in his class. And that like, you know, that talent over situation argument that every year we're like, gotta remember. And then every year we all forget. So I, I, I would put some money on, on a bounce back year for rugs. I'd love that. Rugs in the, on DLF, DLF ADP is wide receiver 57 in April. Oh, that's give me that all day. Though. Super. Yeah. Flex. Super yeah. Flex. That doesn't uh, make a difference. Get it? Super yeah. flex. He's a receiver guy. <laughs> Has he never thrown a pass in, in college? Are we sure we can't make that? Yeah, you know, listen, all the best athletes played quarterback at some time in their life, right? All the best athletes in high school started out as quarterbacks and ended up as something else. So well, I thought they were all basketball players. Say they don't uh, box out. <laughs> Raiders signed a guy, Carson Williams, out of uh, Northern Kentucky this week. Never played a down of uh, football in college. He was a, a, a basketball player. He's like 6'5", 200,000 pounds, and um, he'll probably be cut in the first month. <laughs> well, you proved my point there. So um, I know we touched on it a little bit here, but looks like for in the draft here, Raiders are picking 17th overall. And it's kind of all over the board from what I've seen for for the you know mock drafts I've looked at. Uh, looks like either linebacker, offensive line, or secondary. So, is that what you're hoping for? I mean, for real fan, uh, real NFL purposes for your team. Yeah, if for real purposes in this draft, the ideal draft would would be that they did not come away with a skill position player. They don't need skill position players. So we really need to attack the offensive line. We need impact players on defense. And, um, you know, if, if we could, if a lot of people are starting to say Micah Parsons is going to drop, right? I know you have him up there uh, under the Broncos. You'll get to that when you talk to Linda. But the more I'm seeing, the more I'm hearing because of the red flags on this guy, he's going to drop. He could be the best defensive player in this draft. So if he's allowed to drop to the Raiders, I, I think they have to take him. At 17, um, the top, the top tackles are going to be gone by that point. I can't imagine Sewell or Darisol or Slater or those guys being there. Um, you know, who I would love, uh, to see there, uh, it's a guy who played for OSU. You know who that guy is, Linda? Tevin Jenkins. Oh, yes. So he could go there and just haunt you for the rest of the, uh, the rest of his career. <laughs> as long as he's not a chief, bro, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't care as long as they don't go to the Chiefs. Yeah, well, he's a big bully, that guy, right? He's a bulldog. You uh, you would know more than anybody. You could speak to him. Um, I wouldn't mind if he fell to us there and we got an offensive tackle. But if, if we could get somebody like that or even the other kid um, here in Jeremiah Owusu Karamara, I don't know how to say his last name. He's another guy. He's a little small at linebacker, but th- if this guy was was the size of Parsons, you'd be talking about him as a top ten uh, draft pick coming out this year because he can he can get to the quarterback. He had five and a half sacks. He had fifteen uh, tackles for loss. He had eighty tackles overall, and he can cover the middle of the field. He can cover uh, wide receivers. He can cover tight ends. So he's a guy I'm hearing some rumors about going to Raiders there also as a linebacker, but his He's kind of like a between a safety and a linebacker. If you look at his weight, I think he weighs he's six one two twenty one, where Parsons is like two forty five. So, you know that's the difference there. But um, yeah, impact player either on the O line or on defense, which means we'll probably take a tight end or something. <laughs> <laughs> if I were a Raiders fan, I would be hoping for offensive line because John Gruden. It was fine going into the offseason, and then he just like blew it up and now you have to address it. It's, I don't like that backfield's already muddy and now I'm the offensive line is shaky. I don't, I don't understand what happened there. Don't worry. Um, we re-signed Richie incognito. We're good. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, right. You're right. Sorry. All right. Any final thoughts about your Raiders before we move on? Um, no. <laughs> Fair enough. All. <laughs> all right. So we will move on to the Denver Broncos here. And Linda, this is your chance to shine. So uh, notable losses was Nick Vanette and Philip Lindsay. And your notable additions, Mike Boone, and you re-signed Tim Patrick. Um, so how do you feel about their offseason moves so far? 
I mean, the biggest offseason move we did was uh, get a new GM. So that's, but that's putting question marks everywhere because you don't know how this guy operates. And we've been with John Elway forever. So it's, you get to a point of like reading somebody. So I think that's been their most uh, shocking move this offseason and probably the best for the team. I'm glad we brought Tim Patrick back. I think he's a really good talent. Obviously, he's going to be behind uh, Corlin Sutton uh, in that part of the field. But I think for fantasy, not that thrilling. But for from a strictly football standpoint, I'm glad he's back. I'll always miss Philip Lindsay. I know they brought Mike Boone in, and so that'll everybody will tell me how much better Mike Boone is. I don't care what anybody says about Philip Lindsay. I will never stop loving the kids. So. Uh, it's been, you know, that offense is pretty good offense, sands the quarterback play, and the defense is all, they signed Justin Simmons, they kept all the key parts of that defense, and uh, and Vic Fangio is the defensive guy. So that team is, I think, just a couple pieces away from being a really big contender. Uh, unfortunately, one of those pieces is the most important piece on a football field. Yeah, I have a feeling that's why they uh, moved John Welle on John Elway out of there is because they knew he was going to draft another quarterback uh, in the first round. Uh, since it seems like that's what he's done for the past, I don't know how many years. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the quarterback situation, is Drew Locke the guy? I have so many thoughts about this. I can't even put them all into like one cohesive thought. But I just whoever is behind. Whoever's throwing the football next year, I'll be behind them 100% because that's who I am as a person. I have a Trevor Simeon jersey. It's who I am. But um, I do think Drew Locke deserves another shot. I don't know if he's going to get it, but I do think he deserves it. He hasn't had the same OC for more than two years since 2017. Uh, he's had he's had his fair share of injuries. There's been injuries to the O-line. Garrett Bowles wasn't great until last year when everything else fell apart. Like He finally got it together. Uh, protecting his quarterback as soon as uh, our star wide receiver was injured. We relied on a lot of rookies last year who now know uh, the system that they play in. Again, you're going to have the same OC. So I think that he deserves another shot. I don't know if he's going to get it or not. If Justin Fields falls to nine, I, he's not going to get it, which is fine. You're not going to see me bitching and moaning about getting Justin Fields. Um, <laughs> but uh, if if it's not Justin Fields, I think we probably go a different direction. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's unfortunate because I did also just want to throw this out. I mean, obviously, Drew Locke, Justin Fields, that's great. But did, did anybody happen to see that Denver was also the most likely trade destination for Mr. Jordan Love? I mean, w- wouldn't you prefer that No, 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 you got it. No, you got it. <laughs> Are you sure? No, you because- got it. That's I feel y'all. like it would be great for all the parties involved if that trade could go through. I saw <laughs> that and I couldn't, first of all, the phrasing of that was, in Sports Illustrated, they said, you know, most likely trade destination. Is that just because literally every other team said no? And they're like, maybe, but probably no. And so by default, they became uh, the big destination. I don't know, but dear Lord. Real quick, though, on the Drillac thing, seriously. Real quick, we've got like a day and a half by the time folks are listening to this on recording. Would you try and go send out a low ball offer for Drew Locke? Or are you just like acquired some Drew Locke? (laughs) Interesting. Are we talking like late round picks? Are we talking? I mean, what kind of value is on him? I think I threw a late round and a and a like a throw in player. I'll have to look to let you know for sure, but I think it was kind of kind of a hodgepodge of like some maybes for another uh, more important maybe, I guess. You know Fair enough. I will say if he gets to start this year, I mean, there's so many weapons there that it would be great. I, I don't think he could be anything worse than mediocre, and that's worth the price point I think that he's at now. I just want to say also that we've seen him succeed in a fast-paced offense. And if they go back and watch that film from last year and they actually adapt to some of that fast pace. Like if he has too long to think about it, that's when he screws up. But when he can just when it, when they're playing that two minute drill football, you see him succeed. So if they can pick up the pace a little bit on offense, I think he has a really good shot at succeeding. And Sal, what do you think about Drew Lock? 
Be nice. I was nice to Derek Carr, so you better be fucking nice to me. <laughs> I, I just don't drink. I just don't think about that, Joa, period. Um, I don't have him on any rosters anywhere. He's never anybody. He wasn't somebody that got me excited as a fantasy asset. Um, you know, and I love that Linda is loyal to her, her players. I think you should be. Like I said earlier, you, people could badmouth your team and your play. I mean, you could badmouth your team and your players, but others better than not. Um, I I can't picture them still not taking a QB if he's there. Like I mean, I get Fields. Even, I even think if if it's Trey Lance, I think that they go uh, with one of these guys. Whoever, you, well, I think we're all in agreement that there's going to be three quarterbacks off the board in the first three picks, right? And then that's where we start getting. Do, does Atlanta trade out? Do they take Kyle Pitts? Does Cincinnati do the stupid thing and not take Sewell, who I really think they should take? Um, they've got some good wide receivers there. They got some good. Uh, weapons. L- listen, if Pitts was the fall there, I could see Cincinnati taking him, um, right? Because that would then that would just set that offense off. But so I really think there's a chance that one of these guys falls, one of those other three quarterbacks falls to Denver, and I think that they take him. I don't think they pass him up. Um, so I think Locke will probably start the season because I don't think whoever gets taken there starts from day one. But this would be it. He's most likely auditioning for somewhere else. Was that nice, Linda? <laughs> you know what? I'll take it. I've had way worse things yelled at me about Drew Locke, so. Yeah, so if that what happens. high bar. <laughs> so I guess if that happens and they uh, draft a, a quarterback there, we got to hope that they don't hire on the Chargers team doctor then, um, just so Drew Locke actually has a chance to, to play the season. <laughs> mm-hmm. Boy, that was a wild sequence. Is he looking for a job, that guy, right now? <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, quick hitter here. Who would you rather have um, this season only, Sutton or Judy? Sutton. I love Cortland Sutton. He's like my favorite player, you know, favorite wide receiver that's um, underrated. I was on a show the other night, and I was doing some AFC West talk as well, and I said, here's the difference between the two of them. Jerry Judy is really good and could be a wide receiver too. Cortland Sutton could be the best wide receiver in the league. That's the type of skill he has. He could be the legitimate best wide receiver. Like, will he be? I don't know. But he could be top three. He could be top five. And I don't think Judy has that ability. I think he's clearly the alpha of the of the receiving core in Denver. And people, I, the way that people forget about a player when they uh, go through an injury year and they don't play a lot of games, he's so fucking cheap right now. Maybe not to go out and trade four, but in startup drafts, low and i think he's gonna have at least several wide receiver one weeks if not finish uh as a wide receiver one i think yep. people have just completely forgotten yep and that's why i traded for him this offseason uh just because i took advantage of people forgetting about him and i do believe in that talent and i agree with both of you that he is the alpha in that offense and um he sky's the limit for him so i I'm, I'm glad we're all on the same wavelength there there's an opportunity for both to finish in the top 24. I think this season for sure, it really does. Everything comes down to the quarterback situation with that team, unfortunately. But it's like if the quarterback situation is even just competent, you know, I, I think that both of them can finish as top 24 assets because they are both just that good. And I can it, get behind that. Competent. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take it. So if, if we're assuming Drew Locke is the quarterback for the entire season, we'll just we'll just make this assumption. Is there enough – Does can he do enough for this offense to support, you know, Sutton as a possible number one wide receiver, you know, Judy as a, as a two, and then with Noah Fant producing where everybody expects him to, to produce as a tight end one, which I know the bar isn't that high to finish top 12. I understand that, but – It's on the floor. Is, is, is that possible for all those things to happen in this offense? Well, I'm not going to say no because that's who I am as a person. I really think – Yes. I really yes. do. I think that a full, healthy offensive line, an offensive line with Garrett Bowles doing his job properly without – because there are a lot of uh, really good-looking plays that the Broncos have put together that got drawn back because Garrett Bowles had a holding penalty. So you don't see those in, in box scores when – I mean, from touchdowns to 30-yard receptions – he had a holding penalty like twice a game, every game in 2019. And then in 2020, everybody's hurt. 
So I don't think, and that was the year he got it. I think he had like one holding penalty last year. Like he figured it out. So I think if, if all the cogs can be healthy and, and greased up, then I think Drew Locke has no problem supporting that offense. Grease them cogs, damn it. Grease, Grease them. them. Good. <laughs> Who doesn't like a good greased cog? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Title of the episode, Dustin. Thank you. Title of the episode. <laughs> All right. Um, and I think we already talked about the upcoming draft here and what we think the Broncos are going to do. Um, Jake, you have any other questions regarding this team before we move on? I literally just want to know if anybody feels comfortable with the backfield, supposing that nobody gets added in the draft. Like, if the backfield stays as it does now, is are we talking like it's a value for redraft, or are we just staying away from it? That's what I want to know. Melvin Gordon, I think, is going to be a value in redraft. They dropped the DUI case, so he's likely not going to miss any game. I mean, there's no record of it anymore, so he's not going to get suspended probably um but we know yeah we know <laughs> and uh i think i think people have i know he has fumbling issues i'm not a big melvin gordon uh stand by any means but i think he'll be the primary back in that in that offense so i think he'll be a pretty big value in redraft here's what i would tell you he's going to be an rb2 right regardless he's going to be an rb2 and if he gets off to a really good start you trade that son of a gun as fast as possible because this is the last stand for melvin gordon we've seen his best years and i like him i mean i had him in places when he was a rookie in in uh san diego at the time and um but this is it for him and i definitely i think linda even agrees in the later rounds i think they add somebody for sure Mm-hmm. Mike Boone. Mike Boone season, everybody. Get on board, no. Linda. Get on board. Can't. Can't. I'm busy. <laughs> all right. Then That's let, all I wanted to know. All right. Then let's move on to the Chargers here. Uh, as I said, they finished third in the division. And now you guys can really uh, just let it all out and speak freely. Since there are no Chargers or Chiefs uh, homers here, uh, you can just, just don't need to censor yourselves anymore and be nice. So, uh, the Chargers, they lost Kalen Balage, Hunter Henry, and Tyrod Taylor. And then they brought in Jared Cook and Chase Daniel. Um, so losing Hunter Henry, is this going to hurt them? And who's going to take, who's going to step into that role? Um, I, I don't believe in Jared Cook. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, well, he's 112. <laughs> well, go ahead, Linda. You, you take the floor. Uh, I. And we knew they were going to get rid of Hunter Henry and either draft somebody or bring somebody in. So I, I just don't think it's that surprising. It sucks that Hunter Henry went to the same place John U. Smith went since we were excited for both of their offseason landing spots. But um, I, Jared Cook's like what he does is catch passes. So that's, I guess, where he's stepping in. But they'll need somebody to do some a tight end to do some blocking and uh I still am really excited about that offense. I think they probably add a wide receiver and uh, Herbie and Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen can take me to the moon. I'm like all in on, on old Justin Herbert. Yeah. I think the most likely candidate to pick up the the tight end targets in the end zone is, is Mike Williams. He can stay healthy, right? I mean, he's, he's built for that role as a wide receiver, but he's never a healthy um, but I, you know, I don't love the weapons right now. I don't love them for, for Herbert, but I don't think he needs amazing weapons. He, he's got Keaton Allen who will, I mean, the guy is consistent when he plays, he is beyond consistent. They had a nice, uh, connection, right? So I think that he could, Herbert could do it again with a mix of, uh, Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson and these guys who will just get free for big plays. So I think it'll be Keenan. And then whoever else, right? And I think they are in play for Pitts a little bit. If Atlanta decides to trade out in that spot, they're in striking distance to move up maybe to get them. Uh, I don't know what they have exactly what the deal would be. I'm not, uh, you know, a draft nick, as they call them, right? But I, I think they're in play for Pitts, and that would be that would be a big-time upgrade to the weapons over there with, uh, with the Chargers. 
I'd have to change mm-hmm. my pants 100 percent with certainty <laughs> at the time that that draft pick was made. If it is Kyle Pitts that goes there, there, I talked about this before. There's no better spot for him to go to, in my opinion, that is realistic at least, where he can go to. So sign me up for all of that. Can we also just take a quick moment to just appreciate Keenan Allen? Just I feel like he needs a special segment <laughs> on this episode. The guy, I don't know what more he has to do for people to take him seriously as one of the elite, elite wide receivers, both in real life and fantasy football. It boggles my mind. And his value is almost always the same. Like, it just never changes. He's a, he's a higher tier version of Jarvis Landry. Like, people just, I don't know. They don't like points, I guess. You're speaking to my soul, brother. That was perfect. <laughs> he's a higher tier Jarvis Landry. I've never heard anything more, like, spot on in my life. I think people think he's old, too. Like, he's 28. That's not old for a wide Mm -hmm. receiver. I think people think he's like Julio Jones' age, you know, which is like 62. I think it's retirement. (laughs) (laughs) So I do want to say I have, real quick, I have Guyton and Johnson on damn near every Dynasty roster of mine because they go in, like, the latest round you can go in. And I was just drafting them back-to-back in, like, the 24th round because they're there, and one of them might emerge. Guyton ran, like, the most snaps out of any wide receiver. Like, he was constantly on the field. And Johnson was catching those deep passes from Herbie, and sure, it only popped off a couple times in the year, but if if they have a full offseason together and, and get something going, then either one of those has the potential to be an asset. So I snagged them everywhere. I like it. Yeah, I could see that. LA taking a wide receiver in like the second or third round uh, only because (laughs) (laughs) is that your dream destination for Tylen Wallace? I would be happy with that. I've seen a lot of uh, Kansas city chief mocks with Tylen Wallace, which is going to break my spirit. I think so I'd be much happier with him on the charges. than I think, uh, you know, behind Mike Wallace, maybe like the third wide receiver on that team, but, but learning and then getting to play alongside Keenan Allen, I think would be a, a really good spot for him. And it gives him another, gives Herbert another red zone target option. So I would like it. Yeah. I just don't right. see uh, LA keeping Williams after this season. Um, just, just my gut feeling. He's been like, and as you said earlier, uh, he's been oft injured. So I think they are going to move on for that. And he's probably going to want a uh, fairly decent sized contract. So I could see them taking a, a wide receiver this year, fairly early, uh, giving him a year to, integrate into the offense and then next year they'll be set with Allen on one side and whoever they draft on the other. Um, so moving on from that, how do we feel about Austin Eckler? Is, is he going to come back from this injury? I know we've all seen the, uh, the Twitter, uh, videos, uh, and his gym flex, um, yeah. looking great, but is he going to return to form and is he going to, is he going to be the Austin Eckler we saw a couple years ago? If they par, if they pair him with a with a complimentary running back, right? He's jacked. There's no doubt about it. We'd all like <laughs> to have his body. Maybe not Linda, um, but he's is no doubt about it. The guy's a gym rat, right? But he was perfect in a role that he played. And as soon as you wanted to make him the alpha in in that running back backfield, you know, look what happened. He's not built for that. You could be muscular muscular to the days uh, on end, but it doesn't mean you're built to last. For a pounding guy, I think that would be perfect in an offense with him. It be would be Ramondre Stevenson, uh, running back coming out this year. He is a beast, and he could take all that short yardage pounding and goal line work, and let Eckler get to the outside and do what he does best. So, Josh Kelly disappointed me so much last year. He had nothing but opportunity, and I kept trying to tell my son to just hang on to him, hang on to him. It killed both of us in so many leagues. Justin Jackson, he's cute, right? That's great. Um, but that's just not, so I'd like to see them take a big running back like Stevenson, pair him with him and let, let him do what he does best, which is play outside body catch passes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I like to hear that. Cause I invested a lot in Eckler too, uh, with the injury. So I like that. So thank you for making me, uh, feel good well, about myself. Four, right? <laughs> the number four, uh, PPR running back with Melvin Gordon there. Mm-hmm. So he could be a monster for you just as long as he doesn't have to carry the ball every day. So mm-hmm. for you, Dustin, I hope it happens. 
Me too. <laughs> hey, if he's my RB1 on a team, I'm very satisfied with it. Like, I'm, I'm not worried about that at all if he's my RB1. And, and I have no reservations about him finishing that high this year. Yeah, I mean, as long as he stays healthy, of course. But you can say that about a handful of running backs. So the weird thing is I think people don't want to believe it. I don't know if they're just scared away. Maybe just the draft prospects of oh no if somebody else comes in there he's just not gonna be as good for fantasy and like you said Sal that's that's always been the case there's always been competition there for him that's not a concern Mm -hmm. and do we see any possibility of Herbert with the sophomore slump this season I mean because let's be honest we did not expect him to come out and torch the earth like he did last season um is this going to happen? I mean, it just seemed like the stars aligned for him. And I love the kid. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I love him. I love his up. I mean, we, we saw his upside last season. Um, but could 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 we see some regression this season? Before Linda answers, because I know she loves him, I'm going to tell you this. I will go back and I'll try to find some tape. I picked Justin Herbert to have a better rookie season than Burrow and Tua. Tua was an easy deal. If Burrow stayed healthy, he wouldn't have had a better season than Burrow, right? I, don't, I think we could all agree on that, but because of the injury, he did. But no, I really did think that he was going to, because it was Tyrod Taylor, guys. Stop it. This is what Tyrod Taylor does. He gets to start for a week, and then a rookie comes in and puts him on the bench. So I knew Herbert was going there, and, you know, I, I just had that feeling um, that he would do that. And I did say that on podcasts last year, and damn it, I'll go back and find it because I don't like when people go, <laughs> I'll do it. All right, Miss Linda, you take over. No, I do love Herbert. I, I hate like the sophomore slump or like the any of the like cliche things that people say about players. That, oh, well, this is going to deter them or this is going to deter them. Like I can't get into that mindset. I've seen what they can do, uh, presumably to the best of his abilities. So last year may have not even been the top for Herbert, but we saw him come into a season where he didn't know he was going to start. You know, I think we all got that notification like Sunday, the day of, of the game. And uh, he immediately played really well. Sure, there were a couple hiccups along the way. I think the Chargers have already done a little bit to address their offensive line. And I wouldn't be surprised if they address it some more in the draft. It's a pretty uh, deep tackle draft. So uh, I think if they really shore that up and, and give Herbert all the weapons that he needs, then it, it only goes up from here. So he's my dynasty QB three. Nice. With he's I'm I'm duking it out between him and Dak right now after Dak Dak resigned, but I don't mind taking either at three. So so nice. I, I I gather Mahomes is I hope hope I know you hate the Chiefs, but I'm gathering he's number one. Who, yeah, but who's number two. Josh Allen, but I did take Josh Allen 101 because I cannot root for Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Love that. That is dedication, mm-hmm. quite frankly. That's amazing. The I only, do just want to – yeah, go ahead. Only chief I have, I have one share of Tyreek Hill in a 16-team dynasty league because I had the 102 and dude at 101 had Pat Mahomes and he was going to get Tyreek if I didn't. So I took one for the entire league. <laughs> But uh, other than that, I keep. I don't want to root for the Chiefs, so I don't mm-hmm. draft them. <laughs> you play, yeah. You play the way that you want to play. If that's going to wreck yeah. your enjoyment, then you you don't draft those you players. Yeah, I'm having fun. Game, Linda. Play to win the game. I won. I went to playoffs in like half my leagues. I'm not that worried about it. Won a couple, but I'm not. I, I want to enjoy who I root. You're better than me. Like, I don't know if they want anything. Sal, I play to make friends and try to force people to like me. All right, that's why I play. Pathetic <laughs> losers, Jake. Oh my god! <laughs> Nobody Jeez. likes a loser. Why do you even try that? Uh, I will say with Herbert, though, the one thing is, I think Herbert easily bests all of his quarterback class and this rookie class this year. I think he is the top of, of that entire bucket for 2021. So I don't think Trevor Lawrence, even if he goes to the Jags and they have, you know, decent weapons there right now, like there's no way that I would take any of those Burrow included this year above Herbert. And I think it's the security of, like you said, Linda, with the offensive line, I feel a little bit more trust there, a little more comfortable. Like Burrow, any they can still pass on all offensive linemen until round six in Cincinnati because that is just their weird track record at this point. So, yeah, I'm big on Herbert. I think Dustin and I both want uh, Jake, uh, 
Trevor Lawrence to fail because of because all of his hair, right? That's uh, that's right. <laughs> so uh, one last thing here for LA, that's and fair. then we'll move on. Uh, any concerns about the switch in offensive scheme here? New new coaching staff. Um, any concerns with with the offense there, and then picking up a, a possibly new scheme? Yeah, I mean, there's always a concern, right, when that happens. But I think the, you know, the guys that there, like the main players, like uh, Keenan Allen, those guys are professionals. He can he can fit into any scheme, and uh, Herbert just flings it, man. So I, I don't think it matters. Just get open, man. I'm gonna get it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. He's just a gunslinger. I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. Same here. <laughs> and you know, if for some reason their defense can actually stay healthy for once, uh, I think they could make some noise in the division. I, I don't think they would rival the Chiefs necessarily. Um, sorry to both of you, but I think they could make a push for the playoffs if for some reason their defense stays healthy for once, um, since they seem to just constantly be ravaged by injuries there. Um, and then let's finish off with the divisional champs here and the Chiefs. I know, Linda, we, I know we've got to do it. We got to talk about it. I saw that look and I, I'm sorry. We'll just, it's like a bandaid. We just rip it off. We do it and then it'll be done. All right. <laughs> so they were first in the division. As I said, uh, they lost Damian Williams, Sammy Watkins, and most likely Lev Bell has not been resigned. He's a free agent. And then their biggest addition so far is they re-signed Demarcus Robinson. So um, haven't done a whole lot as far as moves, but let's be honest, they're they're pretty well stacked in most positions. Um, so I guess to start, do we see Michael Hardman? Is, is, is he going to be a thing now uh, with Sammy no. Watkins leaving? Is, is, are, are we looking at the third-year breakout for him? No, there's no breakout coming from Nicole Hardman. I know people are still keeping their hopes up, but it ain't coming. I'm not, if you're not even flash, like when, when I think about the Chiefs offense and like potential flashes and guys that weren't weekly starts, I think about Pringle, which I think is an issue to Nicole Hardman. I know he's fast as shit. That's fantastic. But um, so is Tyreek Hill. So are a lot of people on that offense. So I'm just I I can't get on board with McCall Hardman. I'm not going to do it. I already I didn't do it. I'm not going to do it. You are. I am. I think I think that um, Watkins is out of the way now. I know when Watkins wasn't always healthy, but when he was there, he was the queer number two. If you look at the targets, it was always. And I think that they have to. The guy does amazing things when he gets the ball put in his hands. He just hasn't been given enough of an opportunity. So. I'd be buying him low. I think when I looked, he was wide receiver 70-something in startup. So he's free. He's free. So why would you not take a chance in an offense that's going to be pissed off after they got embarrassed in the Super Bowl last year? And I would say that their biggest offseason addition was Orlando Brown, right? The offensive lineman yeah. mm-hmm. for, for the Ravens. And um, that should help CEH. And, yeah, fuck and, the Ravens, and, by the way, for doing that. <laughs> it's weird. It is weird uh, considering they are one of the next best teams – in the um, in the division, I apologize because my phone is attached to my computer, and for some reason, my mother was calling me. Um, <laughs> I thought so, you were, that was like uh, that was like the theme song for the Ravens, like they had entrance music into the podcast a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so uh, it is weird because the Ravens are competing for that conference also, but I think they just had no intentions on resigning him and giving him a big contract that was going to be due to him, and uh, they pick up a first round pick. In, in sure. result, as it just went from looking at the Chiefs offensive line and being like, did you not just see what happened to your quarterback in the Super Bowl? To then being like, yeah, we figured it out. And you're like, God damn it. I thought you were going to miss it. I thought we were going to sneak it past you. And you just have a flaw in your damn team already. Yeah. No. Well, okay. The other, I, I feel like the problem, Dustin, is everything about this team is so obvious. Mm-hmm. Like it sucks because we all know everybody's going to draft Pat Mahomes very high and Tyreek Hill is going to be drafted very high. And even Travis Kelsey is going to be drafted very high. But the one question I did have, and I'm curious here to what extent people are all in on Kelsey. Look at it from redraft here. He's almost certainly the first tight end off the board. Maybe you like Kittle just a little bit more. Maybe even you like Waller just a little bit more, but almost certainly it's him. But how high in your rookie draft? I mean, if you have, let's just say, right in the middle of the first round, you got the 106, 107. Are you comfortable at that point taking Travis Kelsey? 
In a rookie in a rookie draft, you're saying? In, in just no, like just a regular redraft. redraft league. Oh, a redraft league. Yep. Yeah, yep. no. No, I mean, I'm not. I'm not an early tight end guy. I, he obviously gives you a separation of the position, but I think there is a three a three person tier now with Waller. I think Waller is in that tier, and if you're if you want to argue that it's it's two years now, and he has proved it. So I think it is a three person tier, and I think you could get Waller much later than the other two guys. So I've never been a hot, and I'm a tight end. I want to I want to say I'm a a tight end lover, which I am. But um, hell, even I am not drafting him too high. I would bet money right now that Travis Kelsey goes in the first round of two of the three of my home leagues, my like home league redraft leagues, um, because that's like they're that's like going to be the thing they remember. But also because <laughs> there's. It's hard to, when, when like we talk about tight ends, the same way like we've been talking about the rookie quarterbacks, we all forget how good the number one is because we're so busy talking about the others. So like Travis Kelsey is in that like, you don't even think about it. He's the number one guy uh, area. I will punt further than the top three tiers because, because tight end such a crap shoot. If you spend a first round, if you spend first round draft capital on Travis Kelsey and God forbid he ends up hurt, I would never wish that on anybody, but it happens. Now, now you're fumbling for a, a tight end and there's not going to be one on the waiver wire that scores like Travis Kelsey does. So I would rather go for, I go for, I wing it in tight end position and redraft and I work the waiver wire all year long. Uh, based on matchups. I think last year I rotated all three Colts tight ends all year in my biggest league that I won. <laughs> Just whichever one I felt like was going to have the week. So now, To your point, I drafted a tight end, and I never do this, but last year in Scott Fishbowl, I drafted, George, it was George Kittle, but I took him in the first round thinking, I got to lock up that tight end security. He gets injured about five weeks in, and I had to do exactly what you're saying, which is scramble to the waiver wire. I had Jordan Reed playing at various times. I had Mo Ali Cox. I had Jack Doyle, as you're talking about. And then you had to transition into streaming. It is an uncomfortable position to, to be in, for sure. I don't, I don't want to do that again. But also, <laughs> it's so appetizing to have that set-it-and-forget-it potential at a onesie position. It's real, it's real nice. Uh, if you can make it work. Dustin, just curious for you, would you venture into the first round for, for Kelsey or would you wait it out? I think it would depend on how the draft has gone so far. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but it wouldn't be like that middle area of the dra- of, of the round. It'd be right maybe the 110 to 112, maybe. Like I said, it kind of depends on what's still there. And if I feel like I could get them on, on the swing around there in the second uh, if I feel like I could get him there, I would probably gamble and, and take a different position and try to snag him then early. But um, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it. Nice. Real quick, Casal, you brought up that this is a three-man tier now with Kelsey, Kidder, and Kittle, and Waller. So I'm just curious for dynasty perspective then. And again, feel free to let those homer biases shine as much as you want here. But if you had to choose between Kelsey and Waller in Dynasty, acknowledging the age difference, acknowledging there is a part where tight ends eventually do fall off, even the best of them, who would it be for you, Kelsey or Waller? I think Kelsey's still got at least two legit years left, right? At least two. Uh, So it'd still be Kelsey for me because I I have him in Dynasty League where he made that insane difference, especially in tight end premium leagues, which is, again, I play in the, uh, not only in the fishbowl, but in Scott's uh, Capitals Pigs leagues, which are scored similar to those uh, fishbowl leagues. So it's still Kelsey for me right now because it's a minimum of two and possibly three. And I think you do dynasty in, in uh, chunks of three years. That should be your mindset when you're playing dynasty, in my opinion. So, nice. And that's mm-hmm. me as a Raider fan. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Linda, do you share any of that crossover there? I'm I'm sure Travis Kelsey has two fantastic years ahead of him. I'm not gonna have him. Also, he did that show where he just like remade The Bachelor, but it was him. So that's a little corny, and I hold that against his character. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one last question here: Ch the much hyped. 
rookie last year. Um, I'll use disappointing in quotes um, only because he still finished as uh, RB1, but to many fantasy players out there, was a disappointment. Uh, is this just kind of what he is in this offense? Is he going to be kind of that low-end wide receiver, running back one, high-end RB2? Um, or is his ceiling higher than what we saw this last season? I think it's higher than what you saw. I think that they used him in a very odd way around the goal line. Like, let's just run him right into the backs of our offensive linemen's asses, which made little to no, little to no sense. And, again, it was a lot of pressure coming into that role on a Super Bowl defending team. Uh, and he really had no help at the beginning of the year. Everybody was either injured or out or whatever in the backfield. So, you know, I, I've been asked this question recently. I don't think you could sell him because you're not going to get the value that you paid for him last year in, in rookie drafts. And I don't think uh, – I, I mean, if you could buy him at a good price right now, I would do it for sure because I think he will be – even if he's a low-end one, I mean, that's it's pretty nice to have on your, on your fantasy team. So uh, I, I think it's going to be better than last year. Linda? As much as I'd like to shit on CEH, uh, I think – we overhyped going into uh, the 2020 season, and then in reverse of that, we just absolutely flipped. We're like, nope, never mind. I don't want any part of it. And like, we're talking about rookies that didn't have an offseason and four preseason games and, and all the things that rookies usually get. So I think maybe the hate's gone a little too far. Again, I'm not going to roster him, but I think um, I think we went from overhyped to like, underrated real quick and I think he's somewhere in the middle so I think he'll do better than he's getting drafted now and not as well as he was drafted last year in rookie drafts to perform mm -hmm. I like it all right so I'm going to ask you each one more question before we uh, get you out of here so I want to know how is the division going to fall who's going to be first second third fourth <laughs> <laughs> I, I think even Linda would agree that Kansas City will be first. Hate it all the all you want, they're going to be first. Um, I, I'm not confident the Raiders are any better than nine and seven. Nine and seven could be second place in this division. I, who who knows? Um, I I think the Broncos um, have a little bit more to do. So I, I think they'll probably still finish. I can always get a division turn out exactly the same way as it did last year. Chiefs, Chiefs, Raiders, Chargers, Broncos, and that's not to devalue the, the Broncos. I just think they need to rebuild a little bit. The Chargers could leap past the Raiders. That would be the only thing I would see different. Okay. Linda? I honestly don't want to play this game. So it wasn't on the show sheet. And... <laughs> no. You're right. I think I, I don't think anybody's going to dethrone the Chiefs this year um, or possibly years to come. But I do think the Chargers may step over the uh, Raiders this year just because I'm so in on that offense and I'm not scared of Austin Eckler. I think they do add kind of a bruiser running back to take those those third and twos away from Austin Eckler. And uh, I, I think they have the potential to jump above the Raiders and uh, the Broncos. I, again, it's all going to depend on what they do. I think at playmaker. So for now, if we're assuming that Drew Locke is the starting quarterback, I guess uh, I'll just be at the bottom. <laughs> no, you know what? Fuck that. So Sorry. Sad. Love you, Sal. Uh, Broncos and then Raiders because I feel like it. <laughs> it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be new to me. I, I fully expect it. I tell you, and that, hey, hey, Dustin, ask me. Ask me the question quick. Jake, what about you? I think that the Broncos and the Raiders are going to tie for first, and the Chargers and the Chiefs are going to tie for going to fuck themselves. That zombie beer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Can you actually send me some of that? I need that kind of confidence. <laughs> well, I think that is a perfect spot there to uh, end this show. But uh, before we get you guys out of here, why don't you quick tell us um, what you do, where we can find you, all those good things out there. So, Linda, hit us first. Uh, uh, I do too many things. So you can find me on Twitter at Lindellians, and you can find everything I do from there. Uh, I appreciate 
appreciate you guys for having me on. I had a blast. And this time I didn't have to like drunk message you and be like, can I please be on your show? I really want to do it. So that feels good. I feel like I've like taken a step up, but I appreciate you guys. Anybody who's ever podcasted with me knows I never do anything quick, but uh, at Salito FF on Twitter, uh, it was great to really be on with you, Dustin and Jake. And, to finally be on a show with Linda. Like I've talked to Linda on Twitter and and she is a great follow and very funny. I hope she doesn't die young from the drinking because we need her in our lives a lot longer. So it was great to be on the show with her. So the one thing I will promote, obviously we've mentioned Scott Fishbowl a few times on this show. Uh, if you don't know, I am the creator and host of the Scott Fishbowl Podathon, the SFB Podathon. And it is like the thing I've been known, I've become known for now in the industry that and just appearing on other people's shows, I guess um, I'm like the Charles Nelson Riley of fantasy football podcast. <laughs> Nobody knows why he was famous, but he was always on game shows for some reason. Right. So but seriously, um, I would love for all of you to be on there, especially Linda. I, I need to uh, put a more diverse crowd on that show. I need ladies. Um, we've had Michelle and Kate in the past. We've had Liz Lozo. We've had Casey, but we need more of the ladies in fantasy football and just a, a, a minority presence in general. So, if you're watching me now at Salito FF, if you listen to us now, reach out to me. Uh, we want to diversify the crowd. We want to be about inclusion, and we want to bring attention to the charities that we're going to be focusing on this year. Last year, we did Toys for Tots and Equal Justice Initiative. We're going to probably spread it out a little bit further. This year, we hit $42,000 last year, and I want to break 50000 this year. And I could do it only with the help of this community, this amazing community. So, Thank you again, guys, for having me on. And I'd love to come back anytime because uh, I don't want to actually plan my own show. So, <laughs> well, well, that's an amazing way I think we can all agree to end an episode of a podcast. Damn, that's mm -hmm. awesome. Absolutely. Uh, Jake, why don't you tell folks where they can find you out there? I'm just at Jake Trowbridge on Twitter. All right. And you can find the show at Drinking Fantasy and you can find me at FF Dusty Dog. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FF.